All the way from Bukota Village in Limpopo, South Africa, we bring you Missionary Minds, where you can learn about family, church history, biblical worldview issues, and of course, missions. All from the mind of a real-world missionary of almost 20 years. And Buripol, the question we're addressing today is, why does God take so many missionaries in their prime? Over to you, Mfundisi. Well, the examples in scripture and church history are endless of Christian men and Christian women who have died early in life. They were great Christians and oftentimes they were young Christians and they had so much more to offer, so much more to give. Why? Why would God do this? Think of Abel who was obedient to God with his sacrifices murdered by his brother. Think of the prophet Zechariah in 2 Chronicles 24. He preached a faithful message that the people didn't like, and so they stoned him to death. You think of Stephen, who was also stoned to death, right in the middle of his sermon. You think of our Lord Jesus Christ, who was crucified at age 33. Think of most of the apostles who died soon after the death of their Savior. And then you go right into church history, and Clement, right off the bat, probably knowing some of the apostles personally. He was a defender of the faith, and now an anchor is tied to his neck and he's thrown overboard. Or you have Cyprian, who's beheaded. Or you have Chrysostom, who is the golden mouth. And in the heyday of his preaching ministry, and had so much more to give to the church, and yet he is death-marched to another land. You think of William Tyndale, right in the midst of his translations of the Bible, and he's burned at the stake. And you could go on and on. You go further down and you look at Matthew Henry. We're so helped by his commentary. Actually did not finish all of his commentary and died before it was done. You think of David Brainerd, who died of tuberculosis at age 29. And not simply a pastor, but he was doing faithful missionary work among the Indians. And then in comes Jonathan Edwards' daughter, who tries to nurse him back to health. She dies as well at age 17. Why? Why does God do this? Why would the Lord take Robert Murray McChain to heaven at age 29 with such a brilliant mind and so much to give to the church and so many more books to write and so many more sermons to preach? Henry Martin spends his life, the short life he had, learning Middle Eastern languages. Could have been a great mathematician. He uses his mind to serve the foreign mission field, and then he expires at age 32. Why? John Payton, he marries his wife. When she's 19 years old, she sacrifices all. She leaves all with all of her energy and all the children that she can birth and and all the ways that she can help the native women. And she gives her life to reach the cannibals on the New Hebrides. And a few months later, she dies. Why? James Gilmore was just hitting his stride in Mongolia. His wife had already perished as a relatively young lady. He sticks it out, sends his children back to England so that they can study. He remains in Mongolia, and then he dies at age 47. Why? You think of the Alka Indians who speared Jim Elliott when he was only 28 years old. Why? This is a question that has been asked for centuries and has brought much consternation 
not only to the church, but to scoffers outside the church. And we're going to try to unpack just a little bit of that today. As you mentioned, people like Stephen and John Payton, two thoughts come to mind. In my personal devotional time this morning, I was going through the story of Stephen's um, death and just seeing how much of the scriptures he knew. And he was preaching this uh, elaborate sermon going into the depths of the history leading to Christ and how these people uh, murdered Christ. And then thinking of John Payton as well, and he remarked when one of his partners was martyred that he didn't understand why God would choose to take this man after he had traveled all that way across the, the sea and had uh, taken hold of the language and was able to learn it and was just prepared for this missionary work. And he was taken. So when we think about how much these people still had to give, there's a sense of thinking about them in their prime. Why so young? Do you have any comments on that? Well, it is a hard question. And one of the reasons it's difficult is because we're trying to understand the mind of God. We're trying, in a sense, to look behind the curtain and understand the province of God and, and why he does what he does. And, and this can bring so much consternation and sorrow uh, to, to believers, and not only believers, but to those outside the church that they actually turn their backs against God. This is, in a sense, the question of evil. Why would God allow this evil to happen? Not just evil, but surely a child, surely a teenage mother, surely a, a man with all the gifts, and he's, he's given it all to serve Christ. Why would you take his life? And this is not just a question that's happened recently, and even in church history, when it speaks about the missionary movement, the modern missionary movement, we can find these very same questions back in the book of Psalms, these kinds of questions of why. Psalm 2, verse 1, why do the nations rage and the peoples meditate on a vain thing? Psalm 10, why do you stand afar off, O Lord? Why do you hide yourself in times of distress. In a sense, we could say they're asking the same question. Why would you allow this to happen? Psalm 44, similar thing. Arouse yourself. Why do you sleep, O Lord? Awake, do not reject us forever. It's the same question. Why Why would you allow these kinds of things to happen? It's a difficult question to answer because there are things that we simply cannot know. Deuteronomy 29.29. The secret things belong to the Lord our God, but the things that are revealed belong to us and to our children forever, that we may do all the words of his law. There is a kind of secret hidden providence that we cannot understand. And yet, I think scripture can give us some comfort in this particular question. I think it can give us some hints into the workings of God's providence. And so perhaps we could look at just a couple ways of why God may choose to take missionaries in their prime. And as we get started with those, I think of the woman who was forgiven much and she chose to sacrifice much for Christ. And she was told that wherever uh, the gospel would be told, that the story of her would be told as well. And just in some way, I wonder if there's uh, something to draw from how 
these people who have sacrificed much for Christ, uh, actually their stories go further because of how much their sacrifice was. So is there something to be said for the deaths of these martyrs inspiring others? Well, the first answer I would give, in our limited knowledge, of course, not understanding God's full providence and the secret ways of God, it seems that Scripture communicates to us in, in this sense, that wounded Christians often make the best missionaries. Could the death of the saints, could the stonings of great Christians actually have forced Paul to become a better missionary himself, to become a better Christian? I think the answer is yes. Paul said that suffering forced him to rely more on Christ. He says that in 2 Corinthians 1.9. Here he is. He's in Asia. Specifically, this is Asia Minor. Perhaps Ephesus is what he was thinking about. And he said during that time he faced illness. He faced trials, imprisonment. He faced wild beasts. There was antagonism. There was intense opposition. He even referred to it as a death sentence. And yet the death sentence and the difficulties he faced forced him to look to God for aid. And so that's true. If those difficulties, if the wild beasts, if the imprisonments, if the opposition, if the illnesses could make him a better Christian and a better missionary, then couldn't the death of James by the sword actually have made him what he was, and that is one of the greatest missionaries in church history? Uh, Didn't the death of Judson's two first wives strengthen his resolve for the people of Burma? I mean, I love to the Golden Shore his biography, but I'm going to take the three Mrs. Judsons because when you read about his loss and how he lost his wives really in their youth and in their prime, you could see how he grew as a Christian and grew as a missionary. Wasn't it the death of David Brainerd in his 20s that really got the gears turning in Jonathan Edwards' mind, and now he writes the story of David Brainerd, and now he starts thinking about the, the Indians, and now he starts shifting his attention to the Indians themselves, and he becomes a missionary to them? Yes, indeed it was. Wounded Christians make the best missionaries, and oftentimes the greatest wounds are when we lose a friend, a family member, a colleague in their prime. When I think about that, I think of the text that says that Christ is going to build his church, but I'm still faced with this tension. It seems uh, counterintuitive that these men are dying, and wouldn't that stop the missionary work? Wouldn't that stop the church going forward? Well, we would think that. Yeah, that makes sense in our own mind, but actually it's been the opposite, and that would lead us to our second reason, that is church growth often comes through affliction. Church growth often comes through subtraction. Church growth and edification often comes through the blood of the saints. The blood of the martyrs is the seed of the church, and that began not just in church history, it began in the scriptures. You find this in Acts chapter 8, where right after Stephen dies, and Satan seems to have a victory, He takes out one of the the great preachers of the early church. He he takes out this man in his prime that could have heralded this message all around. 
And so you find Acts chapter 8, and here's the Apostle Paul, and, and now the, the, uh, this is before he's converted, and the church has to now scatter. And we're told that in verse number 1. Saul was in hearty agreement with putting Stephen to death, and on that day a great persecution began against the church in Jerusalem, and they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria except the apostles. So God actually used the subtraction from the church in a sense to add to the church, and that is through the suffering, through the affliction, through this martyrdom, blessings came. It was actually the death of Stephen that led to life. This makes me think of Fox's account of so many of the martyrs in the 1500s, 1600s, especially Bloody Mary's murders, that really turned out to inspire centuries of Christians. And Fox didn't tell stories of preachers that were resting in their silk sheets in their bed, and he wasn't often telling stories about men who died in their 80s. We praise the Lord for them that have done that, but that doesn't inspire as much as those heroes who actually lost their lives in the prime of their life. Who can forget the story of William Fetty? Uh, He's eight years old. His father is accused of heresy, and they're beating up his father. And he comes out, this little champion, and he says to the men who have captured his father, my father is no heretic, and you have Balaam's mark upon you. And they beat him so badly that he died, eight years old. I mean, why, why would God do that? Well, God allows those things to happen because the church actually grows through affliction like that. Let me give one more example from Fox's Book of Martyrs. This is a story of William Hunter. He's 19 years old. So, I mean, we were given examples before of Brainerd and Martin and McChain, and they're in their late 20s and 30s, and we're thinking, how young? Here's Hunter. He's 19 years old. And he refuses to take the communion in the way the Roman Catholic Church wants it, that is, in the Mass. And so they, they capture him, and they torture him, and they throw him in prison, and now he's, he's going to the stake, and he's about to be executed. And just before he's executed, his brother, this is William Hunter's brother, comes to him, and William uh, gives his psalter to his brother and says, Think of the holy passion of Christ, and do not be afraid of death. And the answer comes back, I am not afraid. And then he lifted up his hands to heaven and said, Lord, 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 receive my spirit. And then he cast down his head into the smoldering smoke, and he yielded up his life for truth, sealing it with his blood to the praise of God. Now, that is inspiring. Here's a 19-year-old who said, I'm giving it all for Jesus. Why would God do that? God does that kind of thing because through those afflictions and hardships, the church grows. And haven't we been reading that in family worship, going through 2 Timothy, where Paul is consistently saying, remember, he's in prison now, this is the end of his life, and he's consistently saying to Timothy, I want you to imitate me in my affliction. Be afflicted with me. He, he says to him, I can, ten, I can tell that you're being timid. I want you to be courageous. I want you to be like a good soldier. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. And he's urging him to, to follow him in these afflictions because this is actually the tool God often uses 
to grow the church. And so, why would God allow an eight-year-old to be flogged to death? Why would God allow a 19-year-old or a late 20s or 30s or, or beyond that? It's for this reason. The death of one child of God may lead to the birth of dozens more. And when we view it this way, it's not hard for us to see why God takes his children home with so much life left in their veins. Are there a myriad of other reasons? Absolutely. God knows his plan. God knows his reasons. We can't see into the the decrees of God in every way, but we can we can exist on the fringes, and perhaps some of these passages today will put us on our way and encourage us in our journey. That's true, brother. Deuteronomy 29, 29 is what we're uh, laying over all of this as we try and seek and search out as much as we can from the scriptures. I think of uh, what you just mentioned from family worship, and here's Paul talking to young Timothy, and he tells him uh, to be like a soldier and uh, to endure hardship. But he can say that because he's doing the very same thing that he's telling Timothy to do. And the previous example you um, mentioned, there were echoes of the young 19-year-old quoting Stephen there and imitating Stephen. And so here are past martyrs galvanizing future missionaries and Christians and martyrs to take the gospel further. What a treat, Mfundisi. To our audience, if you've enjoyed this podcast, please be sure to rate it and subscribe to keep posted with more upcoming content. Feel free to share this episode with someone who might find it interesting. You can submit any questions you may want answered in a future podcast. You can email those questions to paulslayline at gmail.com. You can also visit betweentwocultures.com for other resources like this. I'm your host, Yamikani Katunga, and until next time, that's it from Missionary Minds.